4: So the L.A. Rams will be the number two seed. They finished 13-3, and a 13-win season for the third time in franchise history.
1: I've been dreaming this my whole life. They still have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man gonna dominate. Right, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline yeah. sends them.
3: Hey, hey hey, welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, for Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. We're here to cause hate and discontent throughout the world. No,
4: yes, actually. No
3: way. None. I promise none. But got a few things you want to talk about, despite the fact the Rams are on a bye. Mike, how you doing,
4: man? I'm doing good, DC. Doing well, doing well. Getting ready for some high school playoffs.
3: Oh, sorry for the loss. I know you guys took me on the chin on Friday night, but you're still in, right?
4: We are in the playoffs by the skin of our chinny-chin-chin, chin. Uh, but we we're fortunate to have a home game. We'll be playing a Clovis East team out of Fresno, California, so looking forward to a fun week of practice and get after it on Friday.
3: Wait, you're playing a team all up in Fresno?
4: Uh-huh. It's about, you know, an hour and 42 hours from here. Absolutely. It's called the Central Valley. So typically playoff time, that's our, our nemesis from the Kern County area is the Fresno and teams up that way. So usually playoff time, uh, it's a Fresno team versus a Bakersfield team. Yep. So are you on the road or home? We're home this week, uh, but Ooh. get this win, then we would be on the road heading back up that way next week. So this is –
3: now it's down to the nitty-gritty. So we'll see what these guys – Now are, it's
4: these, one and done. One and yeah. done. These, see, these boys are made out of. That's right. Now it's time to, to really crank it up and, and go get them. So, Mike, going to what we're here for,
3: the Rams and, and really the NFL, because there's a couple games that really affected the Rams and where they're going for the playoffs, a couple, dare I say, upsets. I'd say they're upsets even with the Vikings game. But we want to get to those. We want to talk a little bit about Brandon Cooks. I think it's actually first on our agenda. And talk early today. But before we do, I do want to let you to know that we are sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollywood team. Also to remind you we're available anywhere podcasts, can be found including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, but really it's Apple Music. That's where most of our listeners come from. And we're still doing this this contest for two hundred five star reviews, one lucky winner. Once we get there, we'll get a personalized Rams jersey from NFLTalk.com. Anyone you want, or I guess it could be entertainment. Not sure why you do that, but I mean, unless you were like a big fan of like the old school, like Barry Sanders or something like that, I can't I, I can't see him by getting anything other than Rams jersey. But I digress. All you gotta do is leave a review, five stars. Send us a email at. Rams Talk, 1945 at with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward with the winner. And we'll also read your feedback on the show. Okay, before we get there, one more thing. want we'll to give a shout out to our sponsors over at MyBookie. Check it
1: out. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to be betting this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, Try parlay. Pick your locks for the week, then put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards are huge. Best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right, if you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit so you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate the offer. That's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE, and you'll double your cash when you sign up. Visit mybookie.ag today. Mybookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Alright, Mike.
3: First things first. We didn't get to this last week. I wish we would have, but time was of the essence. Just want to get to a breakdown of the game. We didn't talk about Brandon Cooks. Now, kind of part from midweek, doesn't think it's that huge of a loss. He loves Josh Rawls. Think Josh Rolls could step in if given the reps. I'm not so sure, but to me it's more about Brandon Cooks' overall history. He's had four concussions now in the last two years. And with those four concussions comes well, the threat of something being long-term. Throw in the fact he's got a huge contract. There are other needs in the roster. We we're already hearing from different fans saying, trade him, trade him. Well, now the trading deadline's gone, and you're still are looking for ways to get him out. Or, in, in some cases... Your legit health concerns and wanting to make sure the guy's gonna be all right. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you is well one, how many concussions do you have in your career? Or did you have any?
4: Oh, we had concussions for sure. Uh probably five documented ones, but according to all the things that we know now, it would be at least that many more that are undocumented.
3: So you're but, saying five total you know of in your career, plus maybe around five that you you think, according to today's standards, you would have some
4: about 10. Probably, you know, and I would imagine, you know, concussions, obviously, vary in degrees, but based on the protocols that they use today, you know, a lot of those things, we just call, oh, man, I got my bell rung and you just keep going at it, so that's where guys my age and older and especially older uh it becomes a real concern because you figure guys older than me you know there was really no protocol so you know when you're talking real double days back then when it was bang them up and survival of the fittest and you know again you had equipment which wasn't you know, it was good, obviously, you know, you weren't splitting your head open, but equipment now is definitely, you know, better and this progress. And so there's a lot more safeguards in the game. But yeah, I would imagine, uh, you know, back then we just said, hey, man, I'm seeing some stars, I got my bell rung, and it was kind of normal. And you just kind of kept going.
3: Even in today's world where, well, if you get your bell rung, it's taken pretty seriously. The dangers of, especially a second concussion so close to the first one, is seen as yes. massively risky. You know that now as a high school coach. I remember when I was coaching football in high school that we we took several different classes on it. We learned more than I wanted to trust me about concussions yes. and and we had to re we had to reteach tackling compared yes. to what it used to be taught. You say, yeah, you're doing with it. yes, yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but. Having experienced those concussions, has it had any kind of long term effect on you?
4: Well, you know, you you know, I call it the boogeyman, you know, because you feel like you're doing well, but you know, there are times when I go, I know I put my keys here, and you know, I'll, I'm fifty four. And you, and then you're looking for your keys and you go, okay, is that part of what I saw my dad and parents, you know, here, mom, here, your keys right here, you know, part of the aging process, or like I said, is it the boogeyman, you something more sinister or serious, healthy wise, sneaking up on you. So those are the things you kind of start thinking about when you think you know where something is and. You know, are you forgetting just because maybe you got a lot on your mind for the day or, or the week or, you know, just the hustle and bustle of life. But, yeah, it becomes concerning, you know, as you age, especially.
3: When you call it the boogeyman, I mean, is it just forgetfulness or are there any other symptoms that you think could be attributed to your past concussions?
4: Yeah, I mean, when I say the boogeyman, uh, I say that in the sense of I've known guys who, like I might see him at a golf tournament one year and then the following year they go, Hey man, you remember such and such, man, he's not doing too good right now. And you go, what? And so the boogeyman for me is something that could just sneak up on you overnight. So that's kind of where, you know, guys like me who, again, you know, pretty, pretty big hitter, uh, you know, try to, you know, do all the things I wore all the equipment they could, but you know, a concussion is a concussion. So, you know, I would imagine, given our time, you know, things that they did were the best it can be. But yeah, so there are things like that. You know, there are days when, you know, light sensitivity could creep in and things like that, that they could bring on uh, migraine. So you try to do these things that, that when you feel something like that may coming on, you, you know, I have some, some tricks of the trade, if you will, to try to. You know, make sure those things don't overtake you. And then the biggest thing is just trying to remain aware and, and check in. They're doing a lot of things in regards to, you know, former players having health screenings and things like that. Just trying to take advantage of whatever new information and just trying to stay on top of things as best you can. But at the same time, man, you got to just live your life and, and take each day as a blessing and keep going.
3: Okay, so let's make that connection to now. You played in the late eighties, into the mid nineties. Like you said, you're a big hitter. Twenty, almost twenty five years later. I'm not trying to age you, dude. I'm sorry. I'm right. gonna say that, but right. um, oh, no, not at all. Twenty five years later, how different are players compared to that? You know, we hear that the stereotypes bigger, faster, stronger. Is that really true? I mean, because you still see them. You're still still connected into the the football line here.
4: Is that true? Yeah, I I definitely think overall, you know, whereas in my day, you have a a Deion Sanders, you have a Dwight Stone, you have a Joy Galloway, you know, who are just speed burners, you know, somewhat a dime of a dozen. But now you can find maybe two or three of those type of guys on every team. And then, you know, the biggest increase that I will say has been in the the D line and the defensive end's ability to, you know, run sub four fives and some sub four fours. You know, linebacker who's weighing 230, 235, some two forty, you know, you running a, a sub four five, sub four four forty, you know, that's a lot of speed for a guy that's that big. So I say overall, yes, bigger, stronger, faster, because things are taking on at an earlier age. You know, you're seeing guys in high school who who look like they could be college players uh, just because of, you know, the emphasis on physique, nutrition, uh, individual training, those types of things. So you are seeing overall uh, an increase in size and speed, no doubt.
3: Okay, so making the connection overall, Brandon Cooks, who really isn't all that big of a guy, about 5'10", 193, I think was his was his number. He's fast, though. The fastest guy on the team is at receiver. But the Rams like to use him both as a vertical threat, they like to use him in the running game, they will use him over the middle. The The injury he took last time out was going into the middle of the field, and it was one that I have a problem with to this day, they call, some, there are so many bad calls out there in the end. It was a horrible one today, by the way. I don't know if you saw it, where <laughs> dude barely touched the guy. I uh, got called for um roughing the passer. Brandon got legitimately head-to-head combat here. I mean, uh, sorry, helmet-to-helmet. It's often called, in this case they chose not to call because he had brought his head down. I've seen it called so many times because the Rams defenders, I'm not sure what to believe and what's what's the proper way to call it at this point. Um, second time in a couple games here though. Four times in two years, and just throw the salary cap impact aside for a second. At one point do well, what point should he start getting concerned? At what point should the Rams really start getting concerned long term about his ability to stay on the field? not, I mean, he's, it's probably the wrong word, ability is not the right word, but his his health being able to stay in the field. At what point do you start getting concerned?
4: Well, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I have what I feel is a number, number documented and then undocumented. The thing nowadays with the emphasis being on just hits and things like that, for someone in my era, okay, it's a documented, uh, undocumented concussion and you're still playing. So I'm saying that only in the sense that because there's so much more emphasis on the head and things like that, and ooh, that's a really hard hit they just take you out, it could be very well that it's something you could play with, but something you don't play with because you know better now. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So, the other thing, though, what I think you're leaning towards is the fact that it's kind of like a boxer when they said, hey, a boxer got punched drunk, you know, where now you used to take 10 blows and knock him out, now you take two. So, that could be the situation with Brandon or the thing they're really overemphasizing. Well, these seem to be coming closer together and maybe in this case more severe so that's would raise very very high red flags if you're getting them more frequently and at the same time they seem to be tougher for you to bounce back from
3: i think for me in terms of evaluating what the rams have to do with, with cooks right now is i'm not really a cooks detractor by the way i think cooks is a fantastic player in terms of his ability to produce, game in game out, you know that at the end of the season, he will have the numbers you're looking for. Sometimes he'll beat a defense, sometimes he won't. Sometimes he'll have the huge numbers in the game, sometimes he won't. But he gives you exactly what you need, which is a vertical threat. Which kind of baffles me as to how the Rams have used him considering his concussion history. I mean, I would he, that's your deep guy, but they don't tend to fit him deep much anymore. On a consistent basis. And a lot of it is they haven't thrown downfield a whole lot this year, by the way. Just just want to clarify that. They need to do it more. But going across the middle, some running plays. I, I wonder about his usage, and I also wonder, given his history the way it was, I'm wondering why they made the decision to pay him that long-term deal as well. They're going to say, well, we need to invest in our stars. We gave a first round pick for it. Yeah, but you pull, you, that was a lot of years. That's a lot of years and a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money in that case. I'm just really curious about your thoughts on that.
4: Well, you know, the thing is, uh, as I say, hey, players, get the money while you can, because when you can't, <laughs> you won't. So never fought a guy for, you know, getting paid. Now, from a business standpoint slash GM point of view, yeah, you're going to look at all those things that you discussed, but at the same time, I'm going to have to assume the Rams did all that else they wouldn't have paid them. And then the other thing is there's a certain thing you have to use the money under the cap. So whether you use it on a Brandon Cooks, or you bring in two other guys, you have to use a certain amount of the money that's under the cap every year. And then you got to try to plan it out over the years. Now, I would have to believe they would think that his usage would, would continue to be at a high usage uh, production, all those good things, uh, because I'm sure they're not going to pay a guy that they think is going to now be what you might consider injury prone or a guy that you can't use but half the season. You know, that's not gonna make too much sense from a fiscal. But I would imagine, you know, they have all the guys between Les and Mr. Demoff and, you know, the scouting department, obviously Coach McVeigh and the rest of the gang that they've did the evaluation and said, you know, this this is a higher likely usage than we we wouldn't, so they go ahead and pay. So that's what I would think that you know they're going to do with you know the rest of the guys need to get paid, but the thing is you got to use the money under the cap whether it's for this guy or that guy, and you just got to figure out and hope that whomever you're paying, you know you're able to get the dividends back from the pay.
3: Well, if I'm, if I'm an NFL team right now, I have a hard time paying out big money for stars after watching. What's happened with Todd Gurley? What's happening with Brandon Cooks? These guys—it's high risk, high reward. You may take a road like the Patriots have—is you build from within, you take advantage of who's out there, you trade if you, if you want to because you're not always going to get do well in the draft on it. I mean, Patriots—we talked about last podcast The Patriots have been horrible getting receivers in the draft. So, what's the best way to build a winner in the long term? The Rams seem to believe that you want to be the organization that is willing to pay for your stars, and, and I'm, I get that you want to be a team like that. You don't want to be known as cheap. I just trying to think long term, trying to build a winner. That's a concern for me. But the reality is, is I, I really like Brandon Cooks. I like what he brings when he's on the field, and they're using him properly. He gives you that deep threat, the guy who's also deceptive enough to come underneath once in a while and draw draw other receivers in. Sorry, defend, defensive backs in. I like him a lot, and I want to see this guy healthy. And I'm wondering at this point, should the Rams... I know that the, that the clear concussion protocol, do you keep him out even a little bit longer to make sure he's all right? Do you take a risk of having him out of the game a couple more weeks than maybe you would have to just to make sure that uh, you don't have any kind of repetitive effects of the recent concussions.
4: Yeah, well, I know just from a uh, let's just say a tactical offensive point of view versus a defensive person, you know, it's harder for someone like me, corner, safety, whoever is playing back there. we We say a crossing route. If you have a guy with speed who's running a crossing route, And unless you're on the side of the field that he technically is crossing to, those are the tougher things or tougher guys to that have speed when they're running across in front of you as opposed to vertical. If they're running vertical and I know you're running vertical, well, I can just get an early start and you're just going to run to what we say to be covered. But if I'm playing back and I'm at now at a 15 20 yard depth and you're running across in front of me, well now I have to come back to the depth that you're at, maybe you're at the 12 yard depth. I now have to retrace my steps, come up. But if you're crossing in front of me, that's going to cause me to have to go left or right to try to make a tackle and if you catch the ball in stride, well you're going to be able to outrun people. So I'd imagine that was probably some of the thinking using him you know in the middle of the field and different things like that that he's going to be able to go through those zones so quick that you're not really going to get hands on him but it's just unfortunate that if you get a ball late or you're in between a zone where now safety or a backer on the other side that you're crossing to is able to see that well now i can come downhill on you and you can have you'll have to pay the piper so unfortunately you know those type of things and depending on you know where you're getting hit in the helmet a lot of times the side hit are the ones that kind of you know knock you out the game at least that's those are part of my recollections or recollections or watching the film after like oh man i don't even remember that uh but you see the film like oh man he got me right on the side near my temple area and, and you're just out so all those things in mind uh you know, you just want a guy like Brandon Cooks to, one, get healthy, especially for a long term. And then, you know, if you're healthy enough to get back out on the field, uh, man, that's all the better. But I'm just thankful that now there there are a few more things in place. So a guy like a Brandon Cooks, if if he has to shut it down uh, because of health reasons, you know, he can still walk away from the game and, and still have you know, uh, somewhat some financial security.
3: If you are Sean McVeigh at this point and you're making the personnel decisions, how are you exactly handling Brandon Cooks?
4: Well, you know, you're kind of hitting on a point of, you know, you have two sides of it. You have what is, man, I care for you as a player. I care for you as a person. I care for you as a long-term health. And then you have the business side of it. Like, what do we do with a guy that we may not be able to use? So then it becomes or it may feel like it's more cutthroat if you have to figure out how to get a guy uh, off your team so that you can replace him with someone that's more healthy. And then that's where, you know, the hard feelings could come in, because if it's not done correctly, the other players are always looking at, oh, well, look how they did D. And, you know, they'll do me worse because I'm not even as good, you know, so you have those things. So there's a lot that goes into uh, whether you release a guy, how do you do it uh, and who you bring in for him? You know, there's just a lot. You know, if he's a popular guy in a locker room, well, that's going to do uh, upset chemistry and things like that. If they think that, say, Coach McVay didn't try to fight for him then that could upset you know some things with with player chemistry player relations so yeah there's a lot that goes into you know how you deal with a guy who's been productive and not really any fault of his own may not be able to help you out rest of the season or into the future
3: All right, well best of luck to Brandon hopefully he's back okay soon
4: get better Brandon Um, praying for you brother
3: so definitely he's a, a big part of this uh, team. And quite frankly, man, the guy's an awesome guy. He's been a model citizen since he joined this team. It blows my mind how other teams and players have had issues with him. It's just him because he's been the epitome of a teammate. Really. Anything they ask him to do, he does it. Anything. We've seen examples of his work in the community as well, so hats yep. off to him. Yep. Alright, folks, we're we'll right back after over to our sponsor. All right, Mike, so here's another problem here we wanted to talk about. Well, I don't know if it's a problem. I guess I'll leave that to you to decipher here. Todd Gurley, and I'm not saying he's a problem. I just want to point his numbers out to you, okay? In seven games this year, Todd Gurley has carried the ball 92 times. So math there says, what, 13, 13 times a game for 355 yards for a 3.9 yards per carry average and six touchdowns. So put that out to what can be 15 games. That would be a decent number of touchdowns, but 355. So he's on pace for less than a thousand yards, his lowest yards per carry average since 2016. That was the middle school offense here, Jeff Fisher. You talked a little bit in the past about Todd Gurley. You, you've seen me you believe he has less burst. I seem to lean more towards the offensive line. I think after seven games now, we can get a general idea. What is your overall take right now on Todd Gurley?
4: Well, again, you know, the, the Todd, Todd Gurley excuse me, saga, Seems to continue, and certain things seem to, you know, dog Mister Gurley in the sense of, you know, what's going on, you know, and maybe again, it's not him. Maybe it's just the overall output of the offense with all the changes. But when you again become the highest paid running back on your team, and and pretty much at the top uh, in the in the NFL, the expectation is, well, highest paid guy, let's get some yards. We don't care what the line is like. We don't care about this. Man, you are paid to do a job. But anyone knows a back can't go where Lyman hasn't gone before. So it's pretty hard when you're playing against, as we talked about earlier, the speed that is now on defense, if you don't have at least adequate blocking to allow you to get at least back to the line of scrimmage, if you will. But, you know, my concerns, again, are some of that burst you just mentioned and, how he's running outside. And I'm just a body language, big body language person. So I just look at your body language and that tells me a lot about how much you're into the game, whether it's today's game or games in general. So I just seems like Todd's body language is like, ah, you know, like something is going on, whether it's the play calling, whether it's, you know, he's trying to play through you know, nagging injury, or just the idea that, you know, there's some friction between him and the coach. I don't know, but it just seemed like body language. He just kind of basically, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do my job, but it's like, I'm not really into the whole shebang. Now that just could be because, the offense is out of sync and you know he he may be in meeting say look give me the ball more and let me just get us going and they're going well look Todd we only want to give you so many touches a game and he may be saying scrap that we need to win some games we need to do this and they may be telling him look Todd we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and that breeds some you know not so much animosity but some possibly some apathy. So it just, to me, his body language is like, whatever.
3: His body language has been clearly showing some kind of frustration. And it's been that way for this year. His, his body language in the NFC championship game and the Super Bowl were to me of a guy who was not mentally right in terms of his head in the game. He was frustrated, but upset. He was and, He was, just well, he was, tough wording here. I'm trying to think of the right one. That's why I'm slowing down. He was, he was himself. And I'm not sure he believed he was himself. This year, I'm not sure that either. He's shown some flashes here and there. Some really nice runs. But there was, there's been a couple different times now where, just comparing similar running plays, where you talked about when the explosion of cutting a hole, just getting there and going, compared to what we're seeing this year, which is that explosion doesn't seem to be there all the time. So either he's not able to explode like he used to at the line when he sees that hole to go while he can, or he's not willing to go. Like you're not willing to trust yourself to go. You're doubting yourself maybe. Whereas Yeah, I mean, so, well, just, I mean yeah for Daryl Henderson, same plays, he's gone.
4: Right. That's what yeah, I'm you see it yeah, you see a distinct difference and there's an article in USA today by uh, Dale and he's talking, Zanine, I believe, or yeah, Zanine. Uh talking about a few of the things that the second half that the Rams might need to look at and he referenced he says part of those Part of that has to do with the offensive line struggles, but Gurley isn't making many defenders miss or having much success anywhere on the field. You know, whether he's catching the ball out the backfield like he was and different things like that. So it just seems like things are out of sync across the board, which, again, he may say, I'm the natural leader on this team. Why are you guys making Jared Goff? You know, we got 12 turnovers He has 11 of them. Now, that's not Gurley saying that. That's me reading some statistics. But as a player and players in the locker room, they're like, wait a minute. We're trying to throw the ball, throw the ball. You know, it doesn't seem like, you know, Jared is doing that well. Why don't we just run the ball more? And then you draft a guy. And everybody knows you're watching where where they draft a guy and then how much playing time he's getting. And he's going to be watching the same film that we see in games. You know what I mean? You see Mm -hmm. the other guy go in, man, it looks like he's running really fast. And I'm not looking like I'm running fast. If you're honest, you're sitting in films and you know all those things are going. So how those things are going. So, you know, again, I don't know. Just speculating from just my time being on uh, different teams and how locker rooms and how things happen and, you know, Todd Gurley seems like a great dude to me. Seems kind of quiet, but my dad always said you gotta watch out for the quiet ones, cause if you get them upset, you know, they'll really bite you. So it just seemed like he's trying to to bite his time and hope that things get better, but it almost looked like he's a guy, you know, about to blow a stack too.
3: I've been hesitant to criticize Gurley. I've been willing to consider all kinds of things. But something really something really hit me inside my head the other day, and that was going back to 2016, and parts of 2015 as well. And that was when he didn't get a whole lot of good offensive line play. And something you pointed out to me, and it's really kind of made me think, it really made me think, the Stars find a way. They find a way. And in those moments in 2016 and 2015, when the offensive line wasn't doing something or at least not doing something well. Gurley got held in check. He got held in check. And now here we are in 2019. And awesome Blythe has been well, awful. Ryan Allen has been pretty bad. Havenstein's had problems this year, even Big Wits had some problems. It has not been that good of a run blocking line this year. It's actually been pretty poor. And he's not making the plays. But we've seen his backup in limited action make plays. Again, I'm not trying to criticize Gurley. He's one of the... When he's at his best, he's one of the best on the planet. But
4: it does make me wonder. Because. Go back and watch the film. Right. And, and, you know, I know what sometimes... Uh, teams can do. They have this thing that they say competition helps bring brings out the best in people. Well, it may bring out the best in some people. You know what I mean? So you bring in two competitors and they just compete and compete and make each other's level go up and then, you know, whatever they friends are friends or foes, but they make each other better then there are other situations where you try to do the competition will breed every take everyone to the next level and you find it one does and then one says whatever and so you know again it, we're all speculating we're just trying to figure out but I'm just looking at things that you've had a knee injury and you fought through it coming out of college you sat out basically your rookie year rehab and then you come back and you have some solid years when the Rams not so good, and then you have a big year when the Rams are really good, go to the Super Bowl, but the two games leading up, or the one game before and the Super Bowl, you don't really get, I don't know how well that sits with someone, you know, if in fact he was healthy and ready to go, but then they were like, oh no man, the brown guy got the hot hand, and sometimes that happens, you, you get someone in there that's got the hot hand and you stick with it, you try not to, you know, have someone uh, poke their lips out, if you will, or, or feel like you're overlooking them. But when you're trying to win the big game, you're going to kind of go with the hot hand. And so that could have been the case. But that doesn't mean it's set well with him. And then you have all offseason to think about it. And then they draft a guy at your position. And then, like you say, you're looking on film going, OK, I can say what I want. That guy's kind of making some plays. But you go, you know what, I've had my knee injury, I've battled back, now when it's sore, I'm just going to shut it down, as opposed to maybe when it was sore before, your mindset was different, you would force yourself to go out there and still perform at a super high level, but you're going, you know what, I got my paper now, meaning my money, and you know maybe I don't have to force myself to go out and do something that would seem superhuman
3: canny is a question and i'm yeah, not even talking absolutely. about physically i'm talking about in his head i don't right but he's just but not the candy,
4: same guy he has something to do absolutely with the mental makeup because it's like when you were a little kid or like i have kids i had some of my kids when they were younger more stubborn than the others hey if you don't do this you're going to go take a nap and they sit there and like, well, I'm not eating those peas. Okay, if you don't eat those peas, you're going to go take a nap. And they'll sit there till the cows come home. And they'll go take a nap. They won't go to sleep. But you're okay, when you get up, you're still going to eat them. They're still not going to eat them. So you have these situations where guys can get stubborn or they say bullheaded or whatever you want to call it. Because they dig their feet in and say, you know what? You've crossed that line with me, so now I'm going to show you a different side of me. So not saying that's the case. It's just hard to try to put it all together when you have a guy who works so hard to be recognized as one of the top guys in the league to finally get a nice contract. And then it seems like. All you know, I didn't even take my foot off the gas, I actually got out the car and started walking. So, yeah, but you guess because you're a champion,
3: yeah, yeah, <laughs> got the car walking. All right, folks. <laughs> so, to close that out again, not hammering on Gurley itself himself, it's just It's too easy now to make connections. Go back and watch a film from late 2015, from 2016, behind a porous offensive line. Look at the efforts there. Look at the efforts in bad offensive line games here. Look at some of those same plays being run with backup running backs. And you guys are asking some questions as, what's going on with him? And how can the Rams use him? At this point, he's more of a danger out of the backfield right now than he is as as just a straight running back. I'm hoping that changes as the year goes on. The Rams have to establish a run, period. If he's not able to do things like a superstar, you can still help make him a star by being what you should be all along on the offensive front. So hopefully they come off the bye as a team that can run block for once this year. They have been awful at it for much of the season. Okay, folks, moving on. There is some NFL today. There's actually been some very interesting games. I have a rant coming because it's driving me up a wall. But... Before we do, we want to say that most of us are probably addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn a bit more about Rams' history, their personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, of team grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some of his father and the team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers, including Norm Van Brocklin. Elroy, Craigslist Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spent in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Folks, you can find Hawk's Book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at team. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Oh, and don't forget the paperback. The paperback is out. All proceeds, 100% of the proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization in the L.A. area that works to help people get out of the gang life and make them productive members of society. So folks, trust me, worthy cause, good Rams history, a great father-son story, it's all there. Check it out. was team, great glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Okay, a couple of different games here I just wanted to point out. For the Rams, pretty important. Chiefs today, upset the The Vikings. I say it's an upset because the Chiefs are playing without Patrick Mahomes. Okay. 26-23. Last second field goal. Wow. Wow. And what kills me with this one, Mike, is Vikings fans almost overtook that place in KC. They made things very difficult for Chiefs quarterback Matt Moore. Loud. Super loud. Chiefs still win. Vikings are just a half game ahead of the Rams right now for the, for the playoff spot. The last one. What are your thoughts on that game?
4: Well, yay. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Go ahead. Matt Moore. What about that? You know, guy that hadn't seen some action in a very long time, Uh, comes in and, and does an, an outstanding job to help get that team in the win column. So, I just, uh, you know, like the idea at this time of year, you know, things really start to really get a little bit bunched up. You know, it's like a NASCAR race on yellow. Everybody's back kind of in the pack. And then you're going to see who's going to break out here down the stretch. So I would have to believe the Rams are ecstatic that, you know, now they can somewhat control some of their destiny by coming out playing down the stretch a lot better uh, these next eight games.
3: Well, and then the Chargers, really, let's just be honest, they dominate the Packers today. 26-11, it was 26-3 at one point. They shut down the Packers offensively, both in the run and pass game. It wasn't even, to me, as close as the score indicates. The Chargers probably should have won this game by a bigger margin. 26-11, that's huge. That makes the NFC North a lot tighter. And Mike, this is what I've been trying to say all along. The Rams are flawed at five and three. But there's nobody in the NFC, not even the 49ers. The 49ers are very good. And they're close to to fixing even the one dimensionality of their offense now. They, they are really that last game against the Cardinals showed they can throw the football. Nobody scares me. Like there's no dominant team that makes you think there's no that the Rams can't beat them in a one off. There's nobody. Even the 49ers. The 49ers are a bad matchup for the Rams right now. That front seven against the Rams offensive line is, we saw it. Let's just be honest, we saw it. But in in just in one game, none of these teams scare me. None of them do. The 49ers are the closest. There's no dominant team to me in the NFC, and we saw flaws with the Packers today. We saw flaws with the Vikings today. The Eagles, as talented as they are, to me they're the most talented team in the NFC. They're they're not scary at all. They're just not. So, what's your overall view now, of the NFC at this point, and where the Rams stand?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, the good thing is, is bad as we may think the Rams have been playing or playing you know they're still right there amongst the top leaders now the thing is you know when you say a veteran team a team that's been to the show how do they play coming down the stretch you would expect them to say okay guys now it's go time or whatever their model or whatever their strategy may be but now it's time to get ready to rolls but Again, you still got a lot of guys that are new to the team. Uh, I I would imagine making adjustments all over the place. And so, but as you're saying, as you look across the board, everybody's somewhat right there. So now it's going to see who's going to close the gap on, you know, the Niners right now, if you will, and and show everybody that that team just kind of had, you know, a good start. So, That's what's funny about the NFL. You know, you got eight games go. You could be 8-0. What if the Niners went 0-8 down the stretch? And they go like, oh, man, I really thought. So there's just a lot of football to play yet. But now it starts getting interesting as we move into uh, November and get ready for Turkey Day coming up pretty soon in a couple weeks. And this is when it gets fun.
3: I mean, the Rams go to Pittsburgh this weekend. It's a huge test. They're going into weather. They are going – they still have not technically played at home in L.A. since, I think, the dawn of time at this point. And Pittsburgh's, they, they don't have Big Ben. They don't have a lot of the named guys, but they have saved their season now. They're in it. They they have a reason to give the Rams everything this weekend. They're 4-4. Four four. They're in the race for the division again. This is going to be a, a, a huge game for the Rams. This is, this is not just... Any AFC opponent. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a team that knows what it means to have a winning culture. If you, to go into Pittsburgh and beat them would mean a lot. It would. It would really, in my view, set the standard for the rest of the season. They have to win this game. I, to go home after that, this game when you have games against Seattle ahead and San Francisco, Dallas. You need this one, in my opinion. So again with the fact that there really isn't any team in the NFC that is ultimately scary. The 49ers being the closest, I admit. You need games like this. You need to go out there and beat a good team on the road like they've been doing throughout much of McVay's career, but uh, this one to me this one's a must win.
4: Well, it it is on that front, but man, you're talking about going into a place that's going to be hopping, popping, cracking, whatever your term you want to use, because Pittsburgh is saying, hey, we got this young guy back here, but you know what? Those guys got to come to our house. And so we're going to be at home. We now got the weather change. Thank you for the weather because we know we're going to get a few games just because of that. So this is going to be a tough game for the Rams to go cross country and go in there and try to get this win. But good teams, that's what they do. So this will be a very good test, and it will give us a very good look on mindset and all those things in regards to our, our, our lovely Rams.
3: We're about to find out real quick how good this team is for real. We're going to find out if they are able to handle some of this pressure now, that is, they can't, to me, you can't lose this game. you got to win it. You, you cannot go home 5-4 and four with these huge games ahead. You're already a half game out. Could be a game out, depending on how the schedule falls next week, minimum. You need this. You just do. And then there's a, the last one. This is not even Rams related, okay? You know I'm in Northeast Ohio, and you know most of my family are Browns fans, and they go out today and they 24 to 19 they lose. They fall to two and six. Brandon Allen, former Rams third string quarterback, Brandon Allen is the winning quarterback in this game. This, let's, what? Utah, your. Mike, this, this Browns team is loaded. Talent-wise, across <laughs> the board, they're loaded. Then they're 2-6? and six?
4: I'm telling you, you take a team that can uh, come together as a unit with a lot less talent, and you can win. You know, you look at the Niners. I don't know that their roster, Bosa, I mean, they got a absolutely Jim and the young Bosa playing well i mean you have richard sherman you know waning years but solid guy to help at least have uh standards and things like that in locker room and things like that but you also playing with a quarterback coming off injury but yet they found a way to be eight no but that's because they've been counted out so whatever they've done to get together as a team uh That's easy to see. You look at the Browns, on the other hand, you got a lot of I-guys that you're trying to make team guys. And they're trying to all say the right things. But you can't have that many guys who have been I-guys on other teams come together and make a team just because you guys are great players. I mean, we see it year in and year out. You've seen it with the A.B. fiasco. You know, once A.B. thought he was bigger than a team, you know, Now he's been on, what, three teams and not even six months or whatever it's been and looking for a job now. So at the end of the day, you got to be able to, to have the cohesiveness of a team unit. You like to be together. You like to play together. You don't mind who gets the ink. And that just takes time to build when you're bringing in a lot of these big name free agents.
3: I mean, Simon. Two of those guys you're talking about, Jarvis Landry, and and remember, the Browns traded for him, by the way. True. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham trade for him too, by the way. Not free agents. Yes. They are. I just roll my. They're forced at halftime today to change your cleats because their cleats were not within the regulation. I mean, this is where you are as a team. And then one of your players, Jermaine Whitehead, gets himself suspended from Twitter 15 minutes after the game is over today for threatening to shoot somebody (laughs) on Twitter. This is your team right now. This is your team. And this blows me away that a general manager as skilled as John Dorsey hired a coach, Freddie Kitchens, who offensively knows his stuff, but clearly is in waivers as a head coach and you're seeing one of the most talented rosters in the NFL right now at 2 and 6 basically a train wreck and you're blowing up you're blowing the development of your quarterback you are blowing so many opportunities here to be an organization that can win a championship one day due to lack of leadership
4: Right. And again, you give the car, the keys to the Ferrari to a young quarterback and Baker Mayfield who we already know can get beside himself. You know what I mean? A guy who sticks a flag in the field and does some of the things he's done. You don't. that doesn't change. You know, I heard Odell Beckham earlier in the week talk about, well, you know, if we were winning, people wouldn't be saying anything. That's my quarterback. Well, the last guy who said that's my quarterback I got his back was Terrell Owens. So I don't want to hear about all that. That's my quarterback. When you had a docile quarterback in Eli Manning, but yet not that you threw him under the bus, but you were willing like, man, get me out of here. So, That's what I'm saying, you know, people's true colors, you can try to mask it for a while. But if you're the guy tipping over fans and throwing stuff and throwing tantrums, just because you go to the new spot doesn't mean, oh, he doesn't throw tantrums anymore. No, he's just maybe a little more skilled in not letting you see him throwing the tantrums. So because I can't believe you go to now a... Now, what's coming becoming to be a losing environment, and you accept it? I don't believe that. So, everybody's just trying to do the right things, including Baker Mayfield, and including Freddie Kitchens. But when he got hired, it's just kind of like you know, fool's gold in the sense of, oh, it was Hugh Jackson. No, it wasn't Hugh Jackson. It was like he could see certain things. But you kind of get rid of that guy. You get rid of Williams because maybe you go, oh, well, Baker likes this guy. Well, that's good and bad. You want a quarterback and O.C. and head coach to get along, but you also want to have someone who's actually going to maybe go out there and do what you say.
3: That's the thing I see with the Bengals, This thing I I see with the Browns. You went and got these head coaches who were inexperienced. You didn't surround them with experienced Assistance. I mean, that's what the Rams did. They wouldn't got experienced assistants put around Sean McVay. I don't. I don't think he's as successful as he's been without, say, a Wade Phillips there with. Oh, him. there's
4: no doubt.
3: No doubt. No and doubt. So, no. You know, and, and you, you get all these me players. The Rams already had an Aaron Donald. They wouldn't and got an Andrew right. Whitworth. They got these these guys who are like Donald was a star, but Donald's also a team player. Definitely. Donald. Has been double and triple teamed on almost every play for the last three years. And hasn't been playing one time. Never, never.
4: That's leadership. You know what I mean? He just goes out, puts in work like, well, they can put four guys on me. I'm still going to get to the quarterback. Not like, oh, man, we got to bring some more guys in to get these guys off me so I can get my stats up. Yeah. Yep, absolutely.
3: The Rams went out there and got They got Tlaib, who was was known for his mouth. He was a leader in that locker room. They got Peters. Peters is known for his mouth. And you come to find out the guy was a model citizen in that locker room and in the community. So what you see in terms of reputation on the field doesn't always match up with what you get in that locker room. And those guys got you to a Super Bowl. Look at the Browns now. with All that talent and all that skill and no leadership. I, I bet you the Browns would kill for Joe Thomas come out retirement
4: right now. I I totally agree. I'm just sitting here thinking like, man, if they had Joe Thomas on that team, even last year and this year, if he comes out. Yeah, it would be totally different because he would just be able to command one the respect. And two, his ability to go out and, and play and, and lead and show people how to do it. Yeah, you definitely need seasoned veterans to be able to set the culture.
3: It just shows how important leadership is. And sometimes we underestimate that. Sometimes we think talent will win. Well, we've seen that time and time again now. We, we're seeing it this year at the Browns. We've seen it. We saw a couple of years at the Rams. The Rams had talent before. 2017 people, <laughs> they did. How do you think turned around? So they had talent on that roster. The the, the Redskins of the early 2000s, when Daniel Snyder went out there and got Deion Sanders and all those guys. Remember that? We saw the Orioles try and buy a championship in the late 90s. We've seen right. teams go out there and try and buy titles in the NFL, Major League Baseball. It doesn't work. At least not. I won't, say doesn't, I won't say never, but I'd say 95% of the time, it doesn't work. Why haven't the Yankees won a title since 2009?
4: Yeah, that's incredible. With considerably, what, the highest payroll year in and year out?
3: The Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers have not won a World Series since 1988. Their payroll oh, is $204 I thought,
4: million. I, thought we, I thought we weren't going to talk about my beloved Dodgers. I'm yeah, sorry.
3: Exactly. I'm not trying to insult them. I'm just
4: saying. No. It's them because it goes to prove you just can't buy, you can't buy championships. It's impossible. You look at the Lakers; they tried to do the same thing, you know, a couple of times. It doesn't work. Well, e- even down the road, uh, the Angels,
3: hundred and seven million dollar payroll this year, it's top ten, <laughs> and they lose ninety games. Where's right. your leadership? Mike Trout tried to be that guy. Was a guy after Tyler Skaggs died, but who else was there to pick up the pieces besides Trout you need right. leaders you need leaders in management you need leaders on the field you need leaders everywhere and what we're seeing with the browns and what we've seen across the league for years is if you don't have don't have leadership you don't have it the rams the rams 1998 97 there was talent there there was are we going to ignore the fact they were four and twelve the year before they went to, they won the title in 30, Super Bowl thirty four? Right. They added a few playmakers, but defensively that, that team was all almost all full. <laughs> defensively, they had players. Why weren't they winning before that? They had no leadership before that. Right. A bunch of me guys.
4: Yeah, and and like you said, it, it typically starts from the top. And works its way on down, even to the equipment staff and in the uh, the training staff. I mean, you you gotta have you know some cohesive units in all those different departments to then make the big unit cohesive. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Browns. Like, do they push the panic button and and start dealing guys and stockpiling picks? But I mean, they they've got solid players, and so. Yeah. I just can't figure out how they can't like, get it together. Well, they're fortunate they have salary cap space.
3: So to me, the, the solution is you just you admit what you, you admit you're wrong. You fire you fire kitchens at the end of the year. You get yourself experienced coach. I've been advocating for the three years. Go get Bill Cowher. Pay him whatever he wants. If he wants the right to your firstborn child, give it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I don't I mean, think go, Bill Cowher's coming back. I don't think he is. But you try. You go. He is a former yeah. Brown, by the way. I know he's a Steelers coach for a long time. But I mean, you go get somebody who can you can whip a team into a shape into shape. And st- instead and, of putting a
4: guy like him, he's used to the weather. You know, being in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. so he would absolutely be able to. You know, coach those those cold weather games that you need to, to have. Absolutely,
3: you probably won't get them. I mean, like you said, that that just probably sailed. But you still try at least to get your organization in order. You go get somebody like him. How about Brian Billick? Um, if Brian Billick would be able to go get a an offensive mind to fit the personnel, because Billick's Billick style wore thin later in his career. But he still was a solid head coach. And, you know, right. get an offensive mind with him that is open and can develop Baker Mayfield, sure.
4: I, I think. How about, Ken, how about a Ken Wisenhunt who, you know, just got recently released from the OC position at the Chargers?
3: I wouldn't go for him. He's just hasn't been develop <laughs> I
4: mean, who he do you – He said that kind of like
3: – He had his shot in Arizona and he had his shot out there in Tennessee's developed quarterbacks never did. You need to be that easy part of the resume right now, unfortunately. You have your franchise quarterback, you're trying to make sure you don't blow up his career like you blow up the last twenty quarterbacks careers you had. Remember
4: Brady Quinn? Now I'm a, Now I'm gonna throw <laughs> I'm gonna throw a throw a name out there. Alright. Baker Mayfield's coach from OU.
3: Lincoln Riley? Yeah, no, but how about Bob Stoops? Try and coax my retirement.
4: Would you take Bob Stoops over Lincoln Riley? I
3: Lincoln Riley, guys like him, Ryan Day, Ohio State, guys who are these new minds, they will command respect from 19, 20 year olds, eighteen year olds. Guys are recruiting. Are they command you. respect from gone. thirty year olds? I see you know? where you're going. But Bob yeah. Stoops, to me, it's always surprising he never went to the NFL because he ran a lot of things that were NFL-ready.
4: Yeah. yeah, and him being older, seasoned, yeah. I he, mean, he may be.
3: It, my game, Honestly, anything's better right now than, than Kitchens.
4: Man, just I, go for a retread. Let's get Mike Shula back in the game.
3: Oh gosh, come on.
4: Don't let's not
3: do that. Let's end the show on that, folks. We're looking for sponsors at RamsTop <laughs> 1945 at Gmail.com. Also use a voicemail at six five seven six six five four five three. We have immediate kit ready to get out to you. Also, don't forget we're part of the Big Heads Podcast Network. Check out a promo from one of our partners. Check it out.
2: Hello, out there, to be
1: man, woman, and child. This is the B Team. I'm Nathan Everhart, and I'm Michael Hanna, and together we host the UCLA B Team podcast, your go-to audio source online for news, analysis, opinion, and sometimes even jokes about UCLA Bruins sports. We're proud to be members of the Big Heads Media Network, and you can find our newest episodes every week at BigHeadsMedia.com, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at UCLA Team, and hit us up with questions or comments. We love to interact with our listeners. So, for a smart, level-headed, if sometimes. You're Reverend unofficial. We cannot stress this enough. Unofficial. Take on the UCLA Bruins. Come join the B team.
4: All right. Finally,
3: don't follow us on Twitter at TalkRams, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk, or choose the Rams Talk Room. If you search for it, we have all kinds of stuff going on there. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and Mike, Mr. Stewart, at 1 Duke 23, or an Apple Music Stitcher. I Heart radio. all those places. Yeah, Longer show than I thought would be, but a good one. Good conversation from Mike for the entire Rams Talk tap. This is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We're out of here.
4: We out.